0: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 GAMBLER.
2: I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started the Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Let's go! This is the Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher
3: on VSEN. <laughs>
4: Hey everybody, welcome in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by Ben MGM. I'm Ben Wilson, in for Patrick Maher. He's back tomorrow, but Michael Lombardi, he's back after his, uh, his I guess, pseudo-off day. You're still writing and doing all sorts of things. Your power ratings, Michael, you're just that not on the air on Tuesdays. Yeah. Every day is a work yeah. day for
3: Michael, but good to see you back. Good to be back, yeah. I mean, it's this football season, it's always busy, you know, so it was fun. But, you know, it's got to... It, the week moves on, you know, we get to another week. What's surprising, Ben, is is here we are sitting January 18th, Millie's birthday today, so I want to wish Millie oh, a happy birthday. But, much, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the the thing that's fascinating is, is this weather is going to be unbelievable for the, the, the third week in January. We don't have a weather game, and you would think that we would.
4: The closest one, I guess. I mean, Buffalo... 35, good amount of some snow showers, but it, it certainly could be a lot worse. You think about the all the freezing conditions that we had a few weeks ago. Uh, we'll get Jay Feely's thoughts on that, by the way, because Jay Feely is one of our guests today. Uh, there, there's a lot of kicking issues, though, Michael. More than the weather, it's <laughs> kicking right now. That's like an epidemic around the league. Uh, we'll get Jay Feely's thoughts, the former NFL kicker, NFL on CBS analyst with us in about 15 minutes. Matt Verdaram will join us as well this hour, and Harry Gagdon from the Against All Odds podcast next hour. I want to get your thoughts, though, for Monday night, since you were off the air, technically, yesterday, Michael, with it being now. Over, apparently, for Tom Brady and the Bucks, The uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks go down 31-14. We, we both felt, you and I both liked Dallas coming in. We had that conversation last week, but I don't think we anticipated it being this much of a whitewashing that 31-14 wasn't even all that indicative of how big of a mismatch it ended up being.
3: I think it proves a couple points to us as betters and people that handicap games, right? You can't, that, that, that game in Washington, and they kept talking about it on the broadcast, like it really, it didn't matter. It didn't matter to Dallas at the end of the day. And th- they kept getting graded on that game. In fact, for my numbers, I I, I did not put Week 18 numbers into my team rankings. I-, I just said that there's no way to judge whether they're real or not. So if a team moves down a category, does it really matter? I don't think so. So based on that weekend. So I think that was a mistake. And then we never really – you know, Dallas had a bad week, but Dallas's numbers all through the year were really good. And Tampa, all through the year, their numbers were horrendous. And I think what we saw was Tom Brady's last pass as a Buccaneer. Now, it didn't go for an interception against Logan Ryan like it did in New England, but I don't think that's going to happen again. What happens in the future – I think we're headed for a great off season, Ben. I really do. I mean, with Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady, all not sure of what's going to happen. I think it's going to be crazy. And people say, well, Brady looks like he's done. I would disagree. I, I, and look, I, straight up, I'm a, I'm a Brady fan. And I have thought in 2013, I thought he was declining. I admit that. I, I, I'm objective enough to say that. But I don't think what, what matters the most to a quarterback is in terms of arm strength and the ability to stay in the pocket those two things for Brady still look really good. Now, I think the offense was completely disorganized. I think it was out of rhythm. I think Brian Leftwich is going to really regret turning down the Jacksonville job because I don't think he's going to get another chance. He turned that job down because he didn't want to work with Trent Balky. You know, I mean, for all the people, you know, that said, you know, that Leftwich deserves a head coach, today, he turned it down and Peterson took it with with Trent Balky and now there's where they are. So I think that's that, That's the rub. I don't think he's, as I've said all year, I don't think Brady's comfortable in that offense. He doesn't have a slot receiver, doesn't have a nickelback, doesn't have a tight end, and that offensive line never played well all year. Mm-hmm. When the personnel around him is that subpar for, for Brady,
4: even, even still showing some of the positive signs, it's still really hard to find that success. And it's why you ended up seeing a Tampa Bay offense. It was bottom 10 in yards per play all, on, the, on the season and bottom 10 in yards per drive on average in Brady's numbers. Even despite that, advanced numbers were still top fifteen. Yeah, that's pretty amazing considering uh, the lack of personnel around him. As far as next team, I'm a little surprised. I got to admit to see uh, DraftKings post these odds and say Tampa Bay is still
3: the favorite for him to take oh, his, uh, no, his next. No, snap, I would I guess, say that. That's ins- if you're betting. Let me say this: if you're betting Tampa Bay, you're That's a St. Jude's play. <laughs> There's no way he's going back to Tampa Bay. There's just no way. There's no way he's living that moment again. The, because I could speak from authority on this from in the sense that when you have been inundated into the Belichickian program, and that's how you're used to having things done, and you get away from it, and you think everybody else in the league does it this way, and then you go somewhere else and they don't do it that way, and you get frustrated, although you made it work, but it didn't work. And now with from Bruce Arians to now, you know, to Todd Bowles, there's just, to me, I'm, I'm shocked that they are the, there's no way they should be. They're the, they're the longest, long shot out there. They're the longest, long shot out there.
4: I, it, also, you look at the postgame press conference as well, where it essentially read as a goodbye speech to Tampa Bay, and he was very nice about it. But you, you, got, the, you got the sense like the final third of the season, Michael, that was always going to be the reality. No matter how this turned out, unless Tampa made some miraculous deep run, maybe yeah. even if that happened in the playoffs, uh, th- this would be the final season for him in Tampa Bay. Uh, what do you make of all the rumors now that, that, that the Raiders make a lot of logistical sense? Could be you're reuniting with Josh McDaniels, his
3: former OC? Well, I think it makes sense from this standpoint, right? So Brady's going to go somewhere where he's comfortable and familiar. Is that Sean Payton? Could be. You know, is, Could it be where Billy O'Brien goes? I don't know. It could be. Would it be with Josh McDaniels? It could be. But one thing you know... If you sign Brady and you're the Raiders, it's a two-part signing. You'll sign him for a year, and then you have to figure out what you're doing the next year. Like, if you trade for Lamar, you've made a commitment to him. If you sign Rodgers, you're probably thinking, I got two, three years out of this. So each one of those quarterbacks in this offseason have different shelf lives, if you will. And so you've got to kind of manage that as your team. And what team would it fit what best with? Would you would, would you go to San Francisco and say, okay, we're going to try to rehabilitate Trey Lance, you know, the MVP candidate this summer. <laughs> you know, we're going to try to uh, try to rehabilitate Trey Lance, and if we we'll have Brady run the offense for a year while we real a bit. That, that that could make some sense. I'm not saying they're going to do that because if Brock Purdy continues to play well, Brock Purdy's going to be the starter going into next year. I mean, there's just no doubt about that, right? So I think it has to be a two – with Brady, it's a two-pronged thing. With the other two guys, it's a little different.
4: Totally agree. As far as that goes with San Francisco, where it's, and it's at plus 350 right now. There's no point, though, in, in trying to pontificate and say, well, maybe if – if Purdy struggles, then let, let's just make a flyer bet on that because, I, I mean, I've, we'll talk about this later. I've been very impressed with Purdy, very impressed with what he's brought to the 49er offense, and I imagine they, they continue uh, to continue this stretch in the NFC playoffs. Uh, so you've Raiders, Niners, those are kind of the, again, the, the rumored top spots, along with the New England Patriots, who, by the way, they're continuing their interviews for offensive coordinator this week. Keenan McCardell getting an interview as well as uh, you already mentioned Bill O'Brien, who interviewed earlier this week, and then their tight ends coach Nick Cayley getting interviewed. It, it is kind of bizarre, though, that New England usually does not it, – it's not a, as public a thing like this for positions like OC. I don't know. I've, I've heard the, the rumors that, okay, maybe Robert Kraft has uh, had a little more influence in this offseason, not happy with what the Patriots produced on offense. Is, is there anything actually to that?
3: I, I don't think anyone's happy up there. But I think this – I think, first of all, you know, you, you, in this climate, the way you have to basically uh, let people – what you're doing interviewing-wise, I think it's kind of a different element. And I think I, – I, I honestly think that the Patriots felt like – and I don't know if this is coming from Kraft or whomever – but I felt like they felt like they needed to send a message to their fans that they're not they're going to have a coordinator. It's not going to be untitled. You know? And so now we know there's a coordinator position open and, and they move forward. And just like they move forward in Washington with that coordinator position or Tennessee in that one. So I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of you're not going to get a guy to come here without giving them the title. So you might as well announce it as the title.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it will be very interesting to see how that – that uh, development works. You, I mean, I, you're obviously very close to everybody in New England. You're tied in there. O'Brien would make a lot of sense as the front runner there. Is that you think most likely to actually end up as that
3: OC? I, I, don't, I don't know if that makes the most sense. I think a lot of it's going to come down to who's going to be the line coach. I, I think we're so focused on who is the, who is the coordinator that is Patricia going to continue on as the line coach. I think that's got to be addressed. Is, you know, someone else going to be? I think that has to be handled. And if O'Brien comes in, I don't think O'Brien and Patricia would be a good collaboration as the line coach. So it's a lot mm. of this is going to be staffing too, right? you got to make sure that the staff's in harmony. Like, you know, Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach of the – of the 49ers. He's in lockstep with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's been with Kyle every place. You know, when he was in Miami and he had that and he had that off the field incident which got him suspended and fired in Miami. You know, he went back to San Francisco and rehabilitated his career. So, you know, that those things have to work together for any coordinator. Right. You know, and if and if Kelly is the guy, he's can he work with Patricia? You know, it's that's gotta be all. It's like putting together a band. You know, it's like making sure we got the right bass bass player. We got to make sure we got the right drummer for what we're trying to do. And and it's easy to say, well, Bill O'Brien, but a Bill O'Brien, if he if he doesn't, I mean, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone are kind of linked together. So if they're going to hire Bill O'Brien, would they hire Doug Marone? Mm-hmm. That's the yeah.
4: question you have to ask yourself. You know, having me picturing uh, Dante
3: Scarnecchia is like a is like a bass player now. Uh, it's like that guy's legacy continues I mean, to grow. It, but every he's year. the most. You know, I saw this thing on Twitter yesterday where people put out that they had these, uh, you know, who's in the final eight and and all of them are offensive coaches except for McDermott. But I think people missed the boat That, that really who has the two best defensive who has the best offensive line coach and the best defensive line coach. Those are the things that matter this time of the year more than anything. You know, Philly's line coach on both sides of the ball is really good. San Francisco, their defensive line coach to me is the best D line coach in all of football. That's what really matters more than anything, right? And so when you have that, when you have that, like Buffalo's, you know, like the Giants this year. I mean, the Giants basically, they they changed line coaches, they changed coordinators, and look what happened.
4: I mean, absolute I've... A complete turnaround. And now they get a rematch against Philadelphia. We're going to break that game down and, and all the other, uh, the other three games as part of, of divisional weekend. Jacksonville, Kansas City still holding out eight and a half. You have Giants. Eagles still seven and a half as you record here this morning on the West Coast. Buffalo, Cincy at five market wide. San Francisco, three and a half painted across the board against Dallas. Those are your four lines as we get into a Wednesday on the Lombardi line. The kicking discussion, though, has to be had. Brett Maher had a meltdown Monday night for the oh Cowboys. Evan McPherson has apparently lost it. What does the former kicker Jay Feely make of all that? We'll welcome Jay next onto the show as we're just getting started here on the Lombardi line.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi Fi?
0: Oh my, look at that! He is.
5: Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to The Lombardi
0: Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. With Michael Lombardi in New Jersey, I'm Ben Wilson here in Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios in for Patrick Maher. We welcome out of the show Jay Feely, the former NFL kicker, current CBS NFL analyst to try to help us break down What's going on with some of the playoff kickers uh, here? Brett Maher four missed extra points <laughs> on Monday night. That I know that Jay. That's got to be uh, the, the first person everybody has wanted to ask you about this week. At, at, going back to Monday night, at what point could you tell from watching there was something wrong, at least mentally, there with Brett Maher?
6: Well, when you saw him miss the second one, you know because this is a guy who had an unbelievable, you know, Pro Bowl type year. He, he was you know, 91% on the year for field goals, nine for 11, over 50 yards, I think 50 for 53 on PATs on the year. And ha- so I had just an excellent year kicking for them, you know, and when you miss the second straight extra point, you go back, it was a third straight going back to the game previously last week. And, and you're like, Oh, you know, there's something going on. And then that third one, you could just tell it was mental. And And I kind of, I, I kind of said it was similar to a golfer who goes out, you know, a pro golfer and he three putts the first hole, he misses a four foot comebacker. And all of a sudden he can't make a putt all day. And, you know, and, and, and you, I think of a guy like Will's Zalatoris Taurus when you've seen him over like three footers and you just know, and the stroke isn't the same. And he's just hoping it's going to go in rather than knowing it's going to go in. And I think that's exactly what's going on with Brett.
3: Uh, You know, explain to me, Jay, and thanks for joining us, why guys like to put the ball on those hashes instead of in the middle of the field uh, in terms of a kicker. I know it's the preference of the kicker, but why do they do that? And if they miss, why don't they kind of alter that thought?
6: Well, Michael, it's it's just like a golfer, right? You have some golfers who hit a little draw, some golfers who hit a little fade. You know, and so they'll set up on the side of the tee box that tries to eliminate one side so they know where their miss is going to be. And if a kicker knows my miss is right, I tend to fade the ball a little bit. If I put myself on that left hash and I'm aiming down the middle, it gives myself a little room for air because I know I'm not going to miss left. I'm not a, I'm not a pull kicker. I'm a push kicker. And so that gives me more room for air by putting myself on that left side. And you see a lot of golfers. If you watch you know, any, any of the PGA Tour events, you'll see him line up on different sides of the, of the box to do the exact same thing.
4: Mm. Again, Jay Field, yeah. you can follow at Jay Fieldy uh, joining us right now. I just wonder for this week now, uh, Michael and I were talking about this off air, uh, and we'll get into our handicap a little bit later. In a three and a half point game, Dallas-San Francisco, really elite defense for the Niners. You would figure kicking game is certainly going to matter in this game. No indication yet that Dallas is planning to do anything else than throw out Maher back on the field. Uh, from your experience, when you've had your struggles, like what, what's this week going to be like for Maher as he tries to get back into form?
6: Well, it's going to be the hardest week for him of his career. And mentally, he doesn't want to. Why, I've been there. I, like, I went through it when I was with the Giants. And, and for me, you know, I missed a game winner at the end of the game and then two game winners in overtime at Seattle. And it was a game that was going to decide home field advantage. It was a big game. And we lost the game versus them winning the game. Um, you know, but he's got to come back and, and not listen to any talk radio, not listen to us talk about it on your show, um, you know, not open any newspaper, look at anything. You know, he he wants to go in and just get this week over with. Get in there, kick some balls, you know, today in practice. Hopefully he, he kicks them well and makes them, you know, and then Thursday as well and then get this game going. You know, and for me, like, Saturday Night Live did a spoof about my game. So Saturday night I'm getting ready to – to go and, and play Philadelphia and just try and, and not lose my job the next day. And, and all of a sudden at like, you know, 1130 at night, I get like 50 text messages and they're like, dude, they're killing you on Saturday Night Live right now. <laughs> so, and I go out, I go out, Michael, I go out to kick. I get a game winner again at Philly the next week. And they call a timeout to ice me and they play a montage of all my misses on the jumbotron during that, <laughs> the, the city of we love. But it's oh, a they're cold hearted. Oh yeah! All right. In fact, so, in fact our owners, the mayors, were the mayors were not happy about it. They wanted to. Uh, they wanted to see if that was legal with the NFL. Uh, you know, because you yeah, can just think of all the things you could put on a jumbotron.
3: No doubt. So Jay, forget about Saturday Night Live. Forget about the media and all the outside noise. How does Maher convince Makai Parsons and Dak Prescott and everybody in that locker room? Man, I got this. Like. Like I said this at halftime of the game. I would have told him to stay out there and practice. Like he don't need to come in here at halftime. Just keep pra- get your stuff right out there. You know, get that thing going. Don't don't worry about coming in here at halftime. Like how does he convince himself the teammates that he's got this?
6: He can't do anything this week to convince him. And I tell young Tickers this all the time. His work ethic and what he did in the off season will dictate how they respond in this situation. So if he's out there every day in the off season, doing the lifts, doing the runs, doing everything that they do to prepare himself to be the very best that he can be, then when you go through a game like this, your teammates are going to have your back. You know, and that's the difference between those guys that work really hard versus those guys who are just kind of kickers you know, and, and do as little as possible um and, and just kind of get by you know you, that's how your teammates my teammates were amazing for me and, and having my back and being there for me just like they would anybody else just like they would Dak Prescott last week when he played terrible you know or a receiver who drops a touchdown or a running back who fumbles and you know and causes in the game you know, they're going to have his back the same way and he, he shouldn't change anything you know like I, I read a couple articles where they were talking about all these things and bringing guys in and putting pressure like you need to understand your players. And Michael, you talk about this all the time in your books. Like, you got to know each guy and how they respond. Some guys do respond to pressure, and you got to bring somebody in. Some guys respond better to putting your arm around them and loving on them and telling them how good they are. And so you got to know your guy and put him in the best situation this week to help him go out and perform the best this weekend.
4: Yeah. Uh, Jay Feely, the former NFL kicker, joining us right now on the Lombardi line. What about a, another kicker who it's not been the same struggles like as a Maher, but. Evan McPherson didn't miss in the playoffs a season ago. Dude was money as the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. look at the stats this year he's missed five field goals four extra points missed a kick last week. What do you see when you watch McPherson?
6: Well I mean he got on a roll last year in the playoffs you know and, and, and that has that helps your confidence even if you struggle during the season um, you know to try and get out there and keep kicking but you, you look at that Bengals build game the game I'm going to do and you figure it's going to be you know a, a high scoring game uh and it's going to be close and so those points are going to come at a premium it's going to be in buffalo it's going to be windy it's going to be possibly snowing so you're going to have elements uh but it is but it is a turf field and that's always the big biggest factor for me i mean if it's an outdoor grass field in the cold that makes it really difficult when you have good footing like you do in buffalo on the turf field that helps a little bit but that wind is the biggest factor there last week there was no wind it was kind of crazy you know how nice of a day it was but uh looks like it's going to be Kind of windy, and, and, and they're, they're going to need him to make kicks, and they're going to trust him, and, and hopefully he can get back to that form that he had last year when, when he couldn't mm-hmm.
3: miss. Jay, how much in the pregame? You know, Buffalo is such a freaky, funny stadium, how the wind shifts and moves around. How much in pregame do you think McPherson will get a handle on it when he comes back out to then have to kick something later in the game? <laughs>
6: Well, I'll tell you a funny story. We were playing the NFC Championship. I was playing against Philadelphia. I was in Atlanta. And it was like 15 degrees, 40-mile-an-hour wind in our face. And David Akers and I tried to kick 40-yard field goals. And I think between the two of us, we attempted about 20, and neither of us made a single kick. Like, you, you just could not make <laughs> Amazing. a kick. And our coaches came up, and they were like, what do you think? And we both were like, well, don't kick a field goal going this way. <laughs> So you got to kind of feel it out. You got to try to figure out what the wind is doing. That's where being in the home field where, where you go there and you kick as much as possible. When I was with New York every day, I would go down into the, into the field at the Meadowlands and kick in that field. Jeff Eagles and I would to try to understand and get to know that wind patterns and how it reacts and what it does and, and kind of see it. And the more, the more you kick there, the more comfortable you get understanding, knowing, you know, even David uh, or, um, in cleveland phil dawson and then he did it again in san francisco put a little flag way in the corner up so that he knew where to win and only he knew where to look for it you know where there was a little bit of an advantage for him in those stadiums because it was his home stadium i mean there, there's yeah. certainly a home field advantage when it comes to those kind of stadiums for kickers
3: that's a great point i didn't know that that's a heck of an idea wow you would think more kickers would, uh, would well, if you know, Michael,
6: if you know, in your stadium, there's an open end and the wind's going to come yeah. through. If you know that that area is going to literally help you. And you throw a little flag up there and you're the only guy who knows that that flag is going to give you the true wind patterns. That's a big advantage. Right. Yep.
4: And Jay Feely no joining job. us, uh, no the job. former NFL kicker, CBS kicking handle. So you'll be in Buffalo, right? Uh, this weekend, Jay, with Jim Nance, uh, Tony Romo, rest of the crew.
6: Yeah, I'll be down there freezing my butt off on the sidelines with Tracy Wilson.
3: <laughs> and, yeah, enjoy, make sure you get those, ham warmers, yeah. get Just hand get warmers, those ham warmers, Jay. Get the hand warmers, Jay. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Well, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for giving me. us some time. We really Thanks, appreciate Jay. it. Thanks, Jay. You're the best. Appreciate you. Hey, good to talk to you guys. Enjoy it. Take care. Absolutely. Thank,
4: Thank you. And uh, Jay Lee for giving us some time here on the Lombardi line. That's the one game in Buffalo. Some wind conditions and potential snow showers coming in there. A high of 35 for Sunday between the Bills and Bengals. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the other game of the AFC playoffs. Matt Verderam join us to talk all things Chiefs.
0: to the Lombardi line on v Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: If you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap at the top place made by VEASAN Show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits to let you see where the money in bets are moving every game. Deep Dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all the big game props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99 and become part of the Sports Betting Network. That is VSIN.com. Slash subscribe again. Big thanks to Jay Feely, the former NFL kicker, for joining us, breaking down all the kicking situations going on in the divisional round of the playoffs, both in San Francisco as well as in the Cincinnati Buffalo game. That's where Jay will be this weekend. We also want to turn our attention to a matchup we haven't gotten into yet: Michael Jacksonville and Kansas City with Matt Verderam, national reporter for FanSided, who is a part of the Stacking the Box podcast and also used to cover the Chiefs. I know Matt used to be part of that uh, the Arrowhead Attic podcast as well. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on the Lombardi Line. Eight and a half point favorite here, the Kansas City Chiefs. What's the biggest matchup you're honing in on as the Chiefs get ready to face the Jaguars?
1: I think it's probably the Chiefs' young secondary against Jacksonville's receivers. You know, Not that Jacksonville has anybody who's overwhelming, but Kirk's had a really good year coming in. Zay Jones has 82 receptions. Uh, Marvin Jones, a wily vet. And the Chiefs have three rookie corners who are going to play in this game. They do have a vet in a luxurious need, but you're going to see McDuffie, uh, Trent McDuffie, you're going to see Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, all guys who are going to be on the field quite a bit. McDuffie will be out there just about every snap. And so I think if you're Doug Peterson, you're probably trying to fool those eyes a little bit. You're trying to move them around, maybe get them to bite on a move, uh, get a shot down the field, try to get some cheap yards, cheap points. I think for the Chiefs, that's probably the big thing is, is to be disciplined with those with those young corners and not get baited.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, when you go back and watch the first game, I think a couple things happened in the first game. You know, everybody, you know, they they start the first six drives out and they go five punts and a a, a missed field goal, and they couldn't convert a third down. And I think if you're going to beat Kansas City in Kansas City, your receivers have to play at elite level and your quarterback has to play at elite level. The Chargers give them trouble solely because – the Chargers receivers when they have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. They can win against the corners no matter who they put out there. But if you don't do that, it's going to be a really hard game. And I think that they've got to start really fast in this game if they're going to have a chance or else they're going to play from behind. And even though Kansas City turned the ball over and Jacksonville didn't, that's a hard thing to overcome.
1: Yeah, you're right. They saw each other in Week 10, and, and Jacksonville was plus three in the turnover margin. They, they recovered an onside kick to start the game. So they really, they had four extra possessions, and they still were down 27 to 10 with five minutes left. I mean, it was it was an uphill battle for them. And, and you're right, too, on your point with the Chargers. The Chiefs and the Chargers, that would have been a really interesting matchup because the Chiefs do struggle with them. The, Mike Williams, had big-bodied receiver, um, they, they are able to, to give Kansas City problems. In this game, Jacksonville has to find a way to be able to, to use some of their aggressiveness, I would expect that you're going to see them go on some fourth downs in this game. I would think that you might see a trick player too early. Um, they're not going to get a lot of deep shots. That's not who they are. They're not a team that's going to throw the ball deep down the field. And if you look at Jacksonville over the course of the year, Trevor Lawrence gets rid of the ball very quickly. I mean, uh, of all guys, I think he's top three in the league in terms of, of ball out of the hand. And so if you're Kansas City, I don't know that you're going to see a lot of blitzing. I think you're going to see the Chiefs try to mm-hmm. choke off these short routes, force Lawrence to hold the ball, and then let that front work. And that's where I think the Chiefs have a real advantage. Only Philadelphia has more sacks than Kansas City this year, and Chris Jones uh, leading the way with 15-and-a-half. I feel like
4: Michael and I would set the over-under on, uh, on Doug Peterson, fourth down attempts at, what, two-and-a-half, Michael? Shaded over? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, 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 think he'll, I think he knows that, look – you know, he couldn't stop them in the red area. You know, he couldn't slow them down. They gained – They they Peterson won the time of possession in the last game. and you watch the tape, you know, they played it like no turnovers, win the time of possession. The problem is they couldn't convert third downs. And the other problem is, is they couldn't stop them in the red zone. They're four for five. Kansas City's four for five in the red zone. I mean, and, and so, you know, and Kansas City had the ball 27 minutes and almost had 500 yards. So they're going to have to get some stops, and they're going to have to be able to – to get the ball into the end zone, and you can't play from behind against this team, and it's just so challenging, especially when Jones played like he did in the last game of the year against the Raiders. When he's humming like that, the first Raider game, Chris Jones did not make a tackle or have a sack. In the second one, he dominated.
4: Right, and Matt, it brings up the point of the Jacksonville defense, which finished the year graded top eight against both the run and past final six weeks, but against basically a litany of
1: backup quarterbacks.
4: you think about Zach Wilson, Josh Dobbs, all in that mix? How do you expect that matchup to go now with a huge step up in class with Mahomes and the Chiefs?
1: I, and frankly, I think the Chiefs are probably going to light that defense up. I mean, if you look at the at the Jags, even during when they've been playing better the back half of the year, they've played three good offenses. Kansas City, as is, is Michael just laid out, at almost 500 yards. Detroit scored 40 points. Dallas scored into the mid-30s. I mean, every good offense that they've played, even even latter part of the year when Jacksonville's played better, They've given up a lot of yardage and a lot of points. And Andy Reid is two weeks to prepare for this game. I know he didn't, you know, understanding he didn't know it was definitely going to be Jacksonville that first week. But obviously they're prepping for everybody they could play. And I'm sure Jacksonville and the Chargers were getting the the most attention. Um, I think this is a really hard game for Jacksonville defensively in the sense they're not a big pass rush team. Josh Allen leads them with six sacks. They don't have the corners who are going to be able to just be put on an island and match up and take guys away. They don't have a guy who can guard Kelsey. It's a game where Jacksonville's got to find a way to manufacture pressure without just sending everybody, and I don't know that Jacksonville can do it. I, I think that's the biggest challenge for the Jaguars in this game is how do you get to Mahomes without taking so many guys out of coverage that it's just a turkey shoot down the field? Uh, they, they couldn't figure that out in the first game. Mahomes had all day to throw the ball, and it, and it, was, it was a devastating result. I think you're probably going to see a similar thing here, which is why I think for Jacksonville to have a shot in this game, they're going to have to get in their 30s. They're going to have to score 30-plus points, and that means being really aggressive. As Mike laid out earlier, third down conversions, being really good in the red zone. Um, The Chiefs' defense is so-so, but one thing about them, they've been good on third downs. They're top 10 in the league. Uh, That's a big challenge for Jacksonville this weekend.
4: Thinking about yeah, I mean, where Kansas City's I at, think it is, I think we both we both yeah. feel like this this could be a tight game. Yet Jacksonville's going to have to make a lot of adjustments on the defensive end, uh, first and foremost.
3: Yeah, and we say all that, right? And we know the Chiefs are horrendous at point against the spread, right? They always kind of have this way. I mean, here they are, they're plus three in that game, you know. And and, and it was, I know it it was a uh, it wasn't a close game. It should have been like a forty to ten game the way that's set up, the way they move the ball up and down the field. And look. Mahomes is is the you can't you you can't plan for Mahomes when he gets down that red zone. I mean, you know, against the Raiders, he was in the red zone eight times all year and he scored eight touchdowns because he makes plays. I think that's going to be the real challenge. And we all talk about you got to control the ball, but the problem is they get more out of when they have the ball than you do.
4: Right. It's, uh, it'll be the big challenge uh, against Kansas City laying eight and a half. Kind of kind of, Matt Verderam to join us right now, giving us his thoughts on divisional weekend. Matt, if you assume Kansas City at least wins the game and uh, projected to is a big eight and a half point favorite. Who do you see them facing in the
1: AFC championship game? Cincinnati. I think right now the Bengals are playing better football than the Bills. Like the Bills, since Von Miller's gone out, they have really struggled to get pressure without blitzing. It's been a big problem. Now, to be fair... The big unknown in this game is, what does Cincinnati's offensive line look like? Can they block anybody? I mean, that that is going to be the question here. You know Collins is out. William's probably going to be out. Kappa may or may not play. Um, th- that is a huge, huge X factor in the game. But if Buffalo can't get home with four, I don't think they can stop Cincinnati. The, the, the Bills secondary obviously beat up. Hyde's been out m- most of the year. With a neck injury. Travis White's come back. He's been okay. He's not been who he was pre-injury. I think it's a big ask. And on the other side of it, look, I love Josh Allen. But Allen's had a lot of mistakes this year. Like plays that just, they kill you in games like this. You can't throw a red zone pick in this game. You can't have a fumble where you're trying to get out of a sack. And you should just go down and take the five-yard loss. I I like Cincinnati. I think it's a very good game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills won. But I think Cincinnati's the better team playing better football right now.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm with you on it. I, I think Cincinnati, first of all, I think Buffalo's defense is very, very susceptible, And you could see it. And I think Josh Allen is a superstar talent. He's not a superstar player. There's no consistency. And if Buffalo doesn't, and I'm going to say this all week, if Buffalo doesn't go back to their six-back run game where he's involved in the run game, and if they continue to want to protect him from that, Cincinnati will win the game. I, I think point
1: it's line right now, Matt. Five point. Yeah, line. yeah. I I think the line's way too high. I do. I I, I don't understand why it's five. I mean, I, I understand it, it opened at like three and a half, and it's moved up since. Uh, It's been bed off, but I, I just think it's one of these games where the Bengals. One other X factor in that game, Lou Anarumo is a really good defensive coordinator. They are going to give them a whole bunch of looks that they're not prepared for. Allen has not seen the Bengals yet with this current group. I think it's a really, really tough spot. You're going to go in there and you're going to get looks where, you know, they're going to drop eight, and then on the next play, it's going to look like they're going to drop eight, but they're going to blitz Mike Hilton out of the slot and now they drop seven. It's a it's a challenge. Buffalo, five-point consensus favorite. Some books as
4: high as five and a half. That's a very interesting matchup that we're going to break down more in our number Matt. two. Matt Vardaram from Chicago. Thanks so much, Matt. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Matt. Matt. Appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, Thank give you. him a follow at Matt Verderam. That is V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E on Twitter. All right, we have to wrap up our number one. Some personnel discussions from around the league. We'll get into those next.
5: Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on vSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher
4: basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of sportsbooks just place a single first basket score prop bet on any nba game if your bet loses you will receive up to 25 dollars back in free bets wager confidently and take your game to the next level with betmgm an authorized gaming partner of the nba just log into your account or download the betmgm app and sign up today then wager on any player to score the first basket in any nba game if your bet misses you'll get up to 25 dollars back in free bets turn game time into show time with betmgm visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years of age or older to wager, new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. All right, Michael, so much being paid atten- uh, attention being paid to the four divisional round games, but there's also a ton of moving parts going on right now yeah. uh, in the personnel world for the teams that have been eliminated. GM hirings, coordinator interviews, hirings going on there. Let's start with the two hires that were made yesterday at the GM level, Monty Osenford in Arizona. Hope that guy uh, has, has a good support system because there is a lot that has to be fixed in Arizona. Uh, wh- where do you imagine things start off with for Osenfort here, inheriting a pretty big mess uh, for the Arizona Cardinals?
3: Yeah, You know, I think obviously the first thing he starts is trying to find the right coach that kind of can partner with him, that shares his philosophy. You know, he's from, spent a lot of time, he's been around the league quite a bit. You know, he started with Charlie Cashley in Houston, and then he ended up in New England with Nick Cesario, and he's been part of the staff there. So he's kind of got a lot of, he's been at different places, which I think has helped him. But this is going to be a key hire for him and who he gets to partner with and how he's going to serve that that coach and how they're going to – because it can't come from him. It's going to have to come from the two of them. It's going to be, have to be a united front. So it's going to be a tough job ahead of them. And, you know, they got a lot of issues. they got to deal with the Hopkins situation. they got to get Murray back uh, under control to where they feel like because they can't get rid of him. But they're going to have to manage that. And then the, the the task at hand is to repair the offensive and defensive lines, which to me, if you just see the team that you have to beat, which is San Francisco, and you see where their line coaches and their offensive and defensive lines win games, you better do the same thing.
4: And it's why most times you see a guy come in and, and hired, and the opening speech, it's, it's pretty laissez-faire and kind of by the book. Uh, Osten though, though, with, with all those different issues that he has to tackle in Arizona, made a couple of pretty pointed comments. Here was one of them from his introductory speech.
5: We're going to focus on a completely unified message across the general manager, the head coach, and ownership to what exactly we want to be as a football organization. We're going to institute a thorough and exhaustive scouting process. We are going to turn over every stone to find the right players for this team. We are not just collecting talent. We're going to build a team. We're going to look for the right type of players. Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. We are going to look, we are going to look for focused, driven and people that are willing to put the team first at every step of the way. Ego
4: will not be tolerated. That that's what Sound I Sound like I hear he worked in
3: New England. Sound like he worked <laughs> in New England, Ben? Yeah. That sounds like a, that, That's you know we're not collecting talent. We're building a team. I mean, look, that's what they need. They never had that out there. I mean, the what what when he walks into that building and he introduces the Patriot grading system or whatever you want, you know, whatever that system is that he's calling it now, which started in Cleveland in 1991, that's going to just blow them all away because they would have not seen anything like that before. Because they just, by the way they built their roster, they were just random hunt and peck. Okay, we like that guy, we don't like that guy. We'll take that guy, we won't take that guy. You know, there was no methodology with Steve Keim and what he did out there. So this is going to be foreign territory for an organization. It's going to be completely the antithesis of what they did. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me, I'm Bless sorry, you, Michael. You're good.
4: I, I, yeah, one I wonder now, like for Kyler Murray. I mean, you're about you. I would think the the he's he's a type of player that needs some tough love, right? A guy who had who has been kind of accused of being coddled throughout the early part of his NFL career. There is some ego going on there. Maybe this could be uh, the the start of a new uh, new path for Murray, but at the same time, he just got a ton of money. So I wonder how those two things will conflate. Yeah, I,
3: I don't think you're going to change. I don't think you're going to change Murray how he. You know, because he's not one of those guys you're going to give him tough love. I mean, but what you got to do is give him rules. Like, look, we're not doing this, and you're going to have to endear yourself to your teammates. You're going to have to give him the ground rules. Like, you're not going to be able to to kind of. He's never responded that way, but you're going to have to give him the criteria which he has to operate under, and that can only come from the general manager and the head coach in a room with a meeting with him. So Fort
4: was the Titans' director of player personnel previous three seasons. He's now the Arizona GM. Titans do make their hiring official as they bring in a guy who was formerly in the 49ers front office and their in their, uh, in their uh, player personnel department Ron Carthon now comes into Tennessee uh, not not as many off the field issues to deal with as in Arizona but still uh, there, there's a lot going on there behind the scenes in Nashville a team that did not win a game uh, after the loss of or at least the DUI uh, arrest from the Thursday night game with Todd Downing the offensive coordinator they fire him late in the season uh, completely fall apart down the stretch yeah
3: well I mean look the 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 whole thing that I've heard all the way through this process was that Amy uh, Adams the owner of the team she wanted to find somebody she felt like the 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 49ers had incredible depth and she wanted somebody to kind of kind of hone in on that on that analytical analysis department that they use in San Francisco. We'll see, you know, Rand obviously was there for a long time. His father, Maurice Carthon was the former player. So it's a great opportunity. I think the challenge that awaits him is how he's going to fix the quarterback. Now, I'm just going to guess, you know, the way Brock Purdy's playing, you know, and do you think Rand would, would then say to Kyle before he leaves, you think it'd trade me Trey Lance? I mean, because obviously mm. he had to love him. You know, that's a real and interesting point. let's just pl- let's just play this forward. Like, what do you think might happen here? I mean, like, you know, you're not bringing Trey Lance back to the 49ers and name him the starting quarterback. If, if Purdy takes the team to the Super Bowl or even gets wins this next game. Like, how are you doing that? Right. Like, like you just can't do that. I mean, Purdy's played in one game. He far exceeded anything that 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 Trey Lance was supposed to be able to do. So, you know, here's a guy that knows him, right, and knows his talent and liked him, pushed for him to get drafted, wanted to give up the assets to get him. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll take him off your hands because they're going to have to eventually come to that. I mean, because for all the conversation about Trey Lance will make Kyle's offense more explosive and better and that Kyle has to change his offense. you remember that rhetoric that came out of there? You know, you got to change Kyle's guy. That's why they're drafting Trey Lance. you got to change his offense, right? He hasn't changed a bit. He hasn't changed anything. And Lance isn't, Lance isn't going to run this offense. That's not what Lance mm-hmm. is. And we don't even know if Lance is any good, although some people think he should be the MVP candidate.
4: <laughs> I, well, I wonder about, from Tennessee's perspective, as much as the six-back offense is, has had a, a big resurgence in the year 2022, this NFL season – you think about the personnel Tennessee has, it's not exactly a deep wide receiver room. You have an elite no. running back in Derrick Henry. You would think a quarterback who could run a type of six-back offense that leads kind of a new wave run first, it makes, that would make a lot of yeah. sense. A guy like Lance should, should profile pretty well there if, they're able to, if that is something they're interested in and could pull off.
3: I would think so. You know, I would think that's something that I think that's the first job Brad has is to when he sits in there with Mike Vrabel, how are we going to fix this quarterback? You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do that? And so I think that's ultimately what he has to try to do. And yeah. and Lance is an alternative. And you know who else is another alternative? Depending on what that would average Jordan Love. What are we doing with him?
4: That we we await. Aaron Rodgers has said he's he's not going to wait long to make his decision. So now we just sit back and uh a nation holds their breath. At least state a state holds their breath. We uh, turn Lord our Wisconsin.
3: lonely eyes to you. That's turn, right. Uh, I right? saw you
4: wrote that this week in your column. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We do. Where are we going, Tom Brady? I mean, you know, it's like yeah. we just it, these. So Brady's such a separate one to me. I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers not playing for Green Bay next year. I just can't. But if that's the case, you know. But I, I think ultimately, when you know, as you go through this, there's some other guys that are not talked about that, you know, you got to. I mean, Love. What are they going to do if 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 Rodgers comes back? You keep in love again.
4: I don't know how you can justify it since you, you know, you'd have to, you're at the point now you're going to have to pay for a, an option year. And if, you, if you've already paid Rodgers that much money and that he's, he's, he's taking up a good amount of your cap, even if you like love, it, isn't it, just, it becomes harder and harder to justify each year. And this 2023 season would be the year to me, Michael, you probably go onto the side
3: of the pendulum that's too hard to justify. Yeah. I mean, I I I to me this it's fascinating and you know, like the one thing Carthon has, he knows he has intimate knowledge of Lance. So if he brings that with him, right? You know, he kind of knows what Kyle thinks because I think Kyle's made it clear what he thinks and he knows what he thinks. So, you know, he'll know and if that that could that's an option. Now, you know, Fortnite might say, "Hey, we gave up way too much. We got to make see what this goes and we'll wait a year if we have to." I don't think they anticipated Brock Purdy coming in and playing no like this. And look, the one thing we know for sure, what Brock Purdy proves, I don't know if Brock Purdy's going to be a career NFL starter or take a team an elite player. What Brock Purdy has proven this year is that Kyle Shanahan makes the quarterback job easy. Brock Purdy. He'd, and that wasn't and Lance couldn't do that. Right.
4: I, Brock Purdy, I mean top 12 quarterback since he took over uh, by, by the advanced numbers. The guy's been legitimately good. We'll see how it works this week because we're going to start our uh, our game previews in the next segment. We'll break down Cowboys 49ers. We were certainly impressed with the Cowboys Monday night. How does that translate though into a matchup against San Francisco? We'll start that discussion next as we get into our number two on the Lombardi line.